You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you today by Ohio vs. Everyone. Ohio vs. Everyone is the fantastic new sports site that is about all things Ohio sports. The baseball side of things is run by Matt Bretz. Great guy, knows his stuff. Go check that out today. So I took Monday off. I uh, figured it was a bank holiday. I was going to take the day off. I hope everyone had a great holiday themselves. The Indians had a great weekend. We're going to talk about the four games since we last uh, got the guy. We'll talk about Jose Ramirez. We'll talk about some things going on at the alternate site. We'll, if we have time, dig into the mailbag for today. If not, we will do some mailbag in tomorrow's show. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk standings. I know I didn't talk about that, but right now the Indians are currently tied with the White Sox for number one in the Central. Now, when you're looking at the overall standings for baseball, what stood out to me and what I was kind of curious about and what I spent some time basically diving into with the standings is the White Sox because again the Indians are tied with the White Sox for first uh, the Twins are a game behind them the Indians have won three in a row the White Sox four in a row they're both seven and three in their last ten all three teams are 99% to make the postseason currently the, by ESPN's Indians are 99.8 White Sox 99.9 the Minnesota Twins 99.4 What's interesting with the White Sox, I will say, was when I went to look at their game tracker, for as well as they're playing, you know, they just came off, you know, four-game stretch against the Royals. They previously had lost series against the Twins. They took two out of three from the Royals, two from the Pirates, two out of three from the Cubs, who was a a strong team this year, took a four-game sweep of the Tigers. Uh, They lost a series against the Cardinals. And that's what I guess I'm kind of getting to, is for as well as the White Sox are playing, are they a bit of a paper tiger? is so much of their record. I mean, it's true for the Indians as well, right? I mean, how much do you trust the Indians' record when you get to face the Tigers and the Royals and the Pirates? Like, the White Sox have gotten fat off a very weak part of their schedule here, which is what good teams need to do. Uh, let's let's be 100% honest. White Sox still are missing pitching, and they're a team that, the, I mean, the Indians have handled them so far in the series as they've had four uh they had Monday off. They'll have Pittsburgh and Detroit. And then after that, it's Minnesota, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Chicago to close it. That's not an easy stretch. Those are all teams that are going to be in this postseason hunt. And to have that basically from September 14th through September 27th, every single team they are facing is a team that is in contention for the postseason. The White Sox schedule gets a lot tougher. And I'm not saying they won't make the postseason, because I think they will. I think it would be foolish to say they won't make the postseason. Uh, They're very, very likely to make the postseason. But even a team like the Reds, that are scuffling majorly, are not going to throw in that towel late in the year. Uh, The Cubs are currently leading the Central. So that is where the White Sox are. It's going to be a rough schedule. I think that makes them... you know, It's definitely not in their favor, in terms of the ability to win this division when you look at that overall um, stretch for the White Sox. And I just wanted to talk about that because, you know, with the White Sox kind of being a bit of a hot name, just wanted to bring that up and point that out. On the other side of things, you look at it, Cleveland has a series against Kansas City. 
Then they have three against Minnesota and two against Detroit, uh, Chicago, the White Sox, or I'm sorry, the Cubs. Then they have Detroit, Chicago, and then they end against Pittsburgh, who is the worst team in baseball. So yeah, Cleveland's got two cupcakes left after this week. So the White Sox are just murderers row the whole way down. Cleveland still has seven games against cupcakes. And it's going to be interesting that Monday, September 21st through Thursday, September 24th, depending on how things go with the Twins, that could be what decides this division right there. A four-game series in the middle of the week. So just kind of keep that in mind. Let's talk about the last few games, right? Let's just dive into these performances. Starting with the uh, the loss on Friday. Now this is the one I, again, I'm going to point out. I said I expected the Indians to take two out of three, and they did. I feel like I'm doing pretty well in terms of, of such things. Friday's game is a bit of a, a hard one for me, just because another strong outing by Carlos Carrasco. He goes out, takes care of business. A lot of people really like Phil Maton. I still small sample sizes, right? Like we hadn't seen a lot of him this year and he has been eminently hittable throughout his career in the big leagues. Uh, he's got the spin rate. He's got the data that shows he shouldn't be, but he consistently has gotten hit. And eventually that's what happened here. He got hit. It, you know, it came back to, to get to him. I, I still don't trust him long-term. That just, that's me. I think that he is, uh, a guy who has good stuff that will trick teams and bounce around for a while, but eventually is going to give up too many big innings. Oliver Perez, not his usual effective self, not the worst outing. Karen Chalk, second time, uh, maybe not the second time in a row, but another outing where he gets lit up. He has definitely been a lot more hittable of late, and the control issues have been a little bit more uh, showing with him, so not great in that one. Uh, Corbin Burns, man, a year ago he looked lost. That's another strong performance for him in a row. If you're a Brewers fan, that is a big, big uh, sigh of relief because Burns, you know, there was a point in time you thought he's one of the top 25 or so prospects in baseball, future number one type. Uh, for the Indians in this one, just four hits. I mean, they got to, made to look silly, just two walks, both by Fran Moraes. Uh, Friday, outside of really Carlos Carrasco, there was not a whole lot to uh, to get excited about watching that game. Again, I did not get to watch it because I live in Milwaukee, and that means uh, blackout restrictions. So let's move ahead to the Saturday game, which was the Josh Hader walk-off game, as I will uh, dub it. Woodruff, uh, Brandon Woodruff has pitched well all year, but the Indians were able to get to him we talked about how great Freddie Peralta and Devin Williams have been. You got to see both of them in this game. Uh, and then Josh Hader, the Indians somehow got to. Indian side of things, Aaron Zavalli, strong performance. Not one of his best, but a strong one. Quantrell comes out and does what he needs to do. Nick Wetgren, uh, blown save. Brad Hand gets the win in this one. When you're looking at it, it's like Mercado for all of his struggles. You don't expect him to come up and be the guy who gets that big hit there. Uh, Jose Ramirez with his ninth team-leading ninth home run. Uh, a lot of pieces. It was nice to see Cesar Hernandez had a big game in that one. But, I mean, the Indians had six hits, five of them between Hernandez and Jose Ramirez. The only other hit that Mercado won at the end of the game. Uh, Indians get the win. It was a bit of a surprise to see that. I don't think anyone would have projected that is how they end up winning that one. And just finishing off the Brewers, I mean, Shane Bieber has just been otherworldly. What was the stat I saw today? Uh, Let me make sure I get this correct. From uh, Sarah Langs, the original person for it. 
that his 94 strikeouts are the ninth most by a pitcher in their first nine starts since the mound was moved to its current distance in 1893. The names on that list, Pedro, Kurt Schilling, Chris Sale, Sale, Kurt Schilling, Pedro, Randy Johnson, Pedro, Randy Johnson. That's That's an interesting list of strikeout artists. Ford Bieber, he goes, just the five innings in this one. I know Maiton came back with a good performance here. See if he can build off of it. Uh, you know, Leone, Leone, they rolled out. Wetgren came back and had a rebound. Brad Hand got his 100th save. Offensively, you know, Santana had your, uh, and Lindor each had doubles for extra base hits. Two hit game by Santana and by Lindor and by Jordan Leplow. When you're looking at the overall performance, again, this is a Brewers team that is just not very good this year. And there's no real nice way to put it on that. It is a team that is struggling in so many regards. And the Indians did what they needed to do. They took two out of three from the Brewers to continue with their uh, recent strong performances. Speaking of strong performances, Rock Auto is where you need to go if you want to get strong performance parts and pieces for your car at fantastic prices. They cut out the middleman, have the big warehouse, don't have a ton of stores, and that's how they keep the overhead down and pass that savings on to you. And when you go to Rock Auto today and you find the piece and part that you need for your car, make sure to add into the How Did You Hear About Us box, Locked On, or Locked On MLB, or Locked On Indians. Just make sure you mention Locked On there, and that lets them know that their advertising dollars are well spent. That lets them know that the Locked On network is sending people their way. So when you need a car piece, go to Rock Auto today. Check it out. It's really easy to navigate. Go compare, find, make sure you are getting good deals on all of the parts you need for your car. So let's uh, talk about the game we had against the Royals, and then we'll jump into some listener mail because I'm not previewing the Royals. Uh, Brad Keller has been really good this year for the Royals. Let's just get that out of the way. He's been uh, a strong performer. So the Indians had a, a, a good performance against a guy who, for the most part, uh, I believe even against the Indians, has been quite effective. When you look at the overall game, no extra base hits. The Indians got their five runs on eight hits. Two errors by Kansas City also helps them out. Uh, the Royals had nine hits, but only two runs. The Indians had three walks. The Royals had zero walks. Uh, very impatient team, and that's something you need to take advantage of as a pitcher, and the Indians did. Zach Plesak, another extremely strong performance. Seven innings, seven hits, one run, four Ks. The one run came on a home run. Adam Simber went uh, a third of an inning, gave up two hits, one run. Uh, He had an ERA of, I think, like 1.8 and jumped to 2.6 after this because he has not been used as much. Phil Maton comes in in that pressure situation. I still don't trust him. I'm sorry. You know, I know I I already harped on it, so I'm not going to go back in. We'll see. I could be wrong. Relievers, I mean, no one knows year to year with them. Let's be honest for the most part. And then Brad Hand with his 12th save of the year. I mean, I was calling him dead before the season began. So again, that's all you need to know about relievers is uh, I thought Brad Hand was going to lose that closer job sooner rather than later. Instead, he has been quite effective. So again, I know nothing when it comes to relievers. Indians win. I, this is We look at the ahead at the rest of the series. They have... Mackenzie versus Jake Junis, Carrasco versus Danny Duffy, and Savali versus Brady Singer. I I mean, they should win all of these. You should sweep the Royals. The Royals are really, really, really bad. Uh, they're not a team that has a lot going for them. Uh, they're badly managed. It's, it's the same thing with, you know, I talked about earlier where they should be trading away these players. 
You're looking at a team that's 14 and 28, that has what the second or third worst record in the American League, tied for second worst with Boston. Every year, Whit Merrifield gets less valuable. There was a point in time where you could have gotten the top 20 prospect for him. I don't think you can get that anymore because a big part of his value was just team control. And while there is still team control at a good price, it's it, every year you lose a little bit of that. Uh, Jorge Solar is another guy. They are not going to contend in a year or two. This is not, you don't look at that team. They don't have the pieces, parts in place. Like, who do you look at and you think, okay, yeah, they got this position is set up for the next five years. There's not a lot of those with the Royals. And it's the same thing with, like, Texas. Texas has the worst record in the American League right now. And they held on to Lance Lynn. Why? You held on to Mike Minor last year, and then you got virtually nothing for him this year. They could have sold Mike Minor for a minor King's ransom a year ago. They could have gotten several pieces integral to the rebuild, and they held on too long. Lance Lynn is not a guy where you look at him and go, oh yeah, he's shown that he's this every single year. No, that's not what he's shown at all. He has shown to be extremely inconsistent over the course of his career. And instead, here we are. Uh, Texas chose to hold on to him, learning nothing from there less than a year ago. And with the Royals doing the same, it's just, it's mind-bending to me. I mean, I went over to Tankathon and looked at... uh, 2021 MLB draft order. Right now, Texas is one, Kansas City two, Boston three. All those teams are tied in terms of win percentage, basically. Pittsburgh four, Arizona five, Washington six, the Angels at seven, though they have won five in a row to get up to that point. Cincinnati at eight, New York at nine, Detroit is 10, and they're tied there with Milwaukee. Uh, so that's, you know, your, t- your 12 worst teams. I mean, Seattle has won six in a row, so they're up to 12. And Baltimore, three in a row. And they had that hard, oh, ugh, hot start at the beginning as them at 13th. Who would have thought that those are the teams uh, that would be there? You know, And again, why are Texas and Kansas City holding on to pieces? It's one thing to try to do what the Indians are doing and not pull everything down uh, to the uh, the foundation when you're still contending and they're trying to like, make this never-ending window. It's something else when you're just a bad, awful team. Kansas City has been picking in the top five year in and year out and are still holding on to players. It's just, it does, you're doing yourself no favors. You are doing no favors. If you're already picking bottom five, you're better to bottom out as much as possible and see what you can do. So should we talk about Jose Ramirez's thumb? Not ideal, right? Um, Before we get there, uh, the Indians let Jake Elmore go because they... Domingo Santana took uh, being sent to the alternate training site. I was kind of surprised by that. He cleared waivers, obviously. And uh, the three young players are all now over there at the site. Ramirez was pulled uh, with the thumb injury from the game. Mike Freeman stepped in for him. They're saying Freeman could start. Uh, That is terrible news for the Cleveland Indians, if going from Jose Ramirez to Mike Freeman. Uh, I, I mean, I'd rather just call it Nolan Jones because at least you get some offensive production at the position. Mike Freeman is not good. He's not someone you want out there a lot. That is just, that's the long and short of it. Go get Nolan Jones at this point in time. They have to be beyond a point where you're at risk of him being a super two. Uh, Freeman isn't any great defender either, so it's not like you're gaining a huge advantage with uh, defense at third base. Uh, go get someone who can actually do some damage to an opposing team. I had a few questions on the Twitters. So let's see uh, what, uh, let's give them some answers. 
I talked about how the Indians need to sign Shane Bieber and uh, people are like, do you think it can happen? Honestly, they missed their window. That's what I'm thinking now. After the year Shane Bieber is having where he is going to win, I mean, barring some kind of epic collapse, he's going to win the Cy Young this year and he might actually win the MVP as well. They needed to do that extension, as I talked about all last offseason. I talked about Clevenger wasn't the guy to extend. I said it was Bieber. Go get Bieber signed now. Get a deal with Bieber done now. They did not, and it's probably too late. Like, it is probably, he's probably unsignable. Like, I I wish they would, and I hope they would, but I I don't think that's coming around. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, What do I think Aaron Savali is long-term? Number three, or, you know, could he be something higher? Now, I've been missing on Savali since the beginning. When you go and you look at his performance, he's been a you know, top 20 pitcher in baseball this year. He's been a, a number one, number two type pretty consistently. I don't know how he does it. Um, you know, I should probably go look and see if it's something I'm missing over on Baseball Savant. Let's go look at the Baseball Savant and see what is happening that... Because, again, he wasn't this guy in the minors. Like, at least Bieber never walked anyone in the minors and was missing at bats and able to do a lot of stuff. Like, he, Bieber isn't, is, wasn't the guy he is now, but there was some sign of with Bieber. Or Savali, he was just always a little bit disappointing. Um, he doesn't walk anyone. But they're actually, like, his barrel percentage is up this year, and some of the other things are actually up against him this year. Like, he's not as effective with uh, a lot of the numbers when you're looking at things. And, yeah, I mean, there's there's some signs that maybe he'll come back to earth a little bit. Uh, I think his big advantage is he just has a lot of horizontal movement on his pitches. Not so much vertical, but there's a lot of horizontal, especially on the change in the curve, uh, the cutter and the slider as well. You're seeing a lot of the horizontal movement. And, you know, this is stuff that's kind of beyond my ken. But I, that's what I would, when I'm looking at things that are a little bit different or beyond. Uh, at the same time, it's like his similar pitchers. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, who has not always been the most effective guy for the Yanks. But then you have Adam Wainwright this year, Zach Greinke this year, Garrett Richards, and then Robert Gesselman a year ago. So I, I would still probably think he's going to be more of a three long term. I still am waiting for it to kind of come back to earth a little bit. Similar pitchers based on velocity and movement. Adam Wainwright this year. Zach Elflin last year. Tanner Rourke last year. Tejon Walker this year. Chris Bassett last year. Like Those aren't guys who are quite up in his level of performance. His, his fastball velocity is some of the worst in baseball. His expected slugging is middle of the pack. Um, barrel percentage is middle of the pack. But his curve has a high spin rate. The fastball has above average spin. Uh, his hard hit percentage is pretty good. His expected ERA is middle of the pack. It's a lot of middle of the pack. This is my long way of saying there's, you see why he's having some success, but I think more of a number three long term. Uh, the Bieber question, again, I, I want to keep him, but I think he's almost no chance of that happening. Interest in extending Franmo Reyes. The thing with extending Franmo Reyes is. You know, I think I've talked about before. It's what's interesting is his big breakout year. He was Rule Five eligible, and no one took him. So he is a bit older in terms of he's kind of like Clevenger, where he is going to be 
hitting free agency in his 30s, not in his 20s. You know, he's already 25, and the Indians have like five more years of control. We talked about through 2024. He would still be with the Indians in 2024 at this point. Uh, that would, I mean, you want to talk about some fun stuff? 2020 percentiles, expecting batting average, 87th percentile, exit velocity, 97th, hard hit, 88th. Uh, barrel percentage, 90%, you know, K, whiff, sprint speed are low, but he's not playing over his head. He's not hot. Yes, his batting average is going to drop. His his bat pip is net, is unsustainable. But when you look at the other stuff, the just the extreme end of some of his percentile ranks, he is going to be a guy who just kills baseballs. Depending on what you do, I would see extending him. But if he's going to stay DH, that's always going to drive his value down. Home runs, though, always drive it up in arbitration. Uh, I mean, I'm always for extending anyone and uh, dealing with that down the line. But I, I would I would be up for it. But he is a player where I could also see why you may not. Um, and then, does it make sense to replace Simber with uh, Sandlin? Simber has kind of been relegated to the last guy in the bullpen. It's interesting. It Well, it's not interesting. It's when you have a manager who's not good at managing, who's not juggling his pen properly, and, like, Simber gets overused, even though he's largely been ineffective pretty much from the moment Cleveland acquired him. Uh, you go and you look at all the things he did well back in 2018, which is, you know, the year the Indians got him, and he had a bunch of red in there. Barrel percentage, top 1% of the league. Exit velocity, top 1%. Expected slugging, top 6%. Uh, XERA, uh, top 4%. And since then, it's all gone up. You know, his, his K percentage is bottom 10% of the league last year. Um, he never was going to miss a ton of bats, and that was the thing. Even when you go and you look at the data on him from the minors was that it, it seemed like an aberration, the amount of missed bats he had in that first half season with the Padres. And there's still an effective pitcher there. Um, I don't know if you necessarily race out, race out to replace him. I don't know if Sandlin is quite ready. I don't know how much you, you're feeling for the, the Rook is ready to go for this team. With Simber, I probably would like to see him get a few more opportunities. And then if nothing else, he's been a rubber-armed guy, uh, someone who can go out there and face a few hitters and, you know, his exit he's still a guy with low exit and low hard hit and low barrel percentages. Guys have a hard time squaring up on it because he is so different. Now, he gets, almost everything he throws gets put in play and there's almost no spin on that pitch. So, you're just basically, if it gets hit it's not going out, but everything gets hit and you're hoping they just hit to someone. It leaves a lot of variance in, or I guess risk might be a better way. It's the outcomes when he plays. But again, you know, it, the last three years, it's 150 games he's pitched in. It's a, and he's not been below replacement. There's there's value in a guy who can be about a replacement level reliever, uh, long term. For any team now, the Indians might you know consider moving on, but again, this is a bullpen that has a lot of pieces that could uh, see their way out of town at the end of the year. When you're looking at you know Leone, Perez, okay, uh, possibly Brad Hand if they don't pick up his option. So just 
before we rush to get Simber out. Uh, there are a lot of teams who could still use him. Uh, I think you just let him pitch for this year and then, you know, see if he can be a nice secondary piece in a deal. Maybe in a Lindor deal. He is a, another piece that goes to a contender because they're looking for bullpen depth and the Indians have the ability to move on from someone like Simber because they have all these other players who are performing well, much like Greg Allen and um, Matt Waldron were pieces that help sweeten to get that deal done with the Padres. Maybe Simber can be something similar. Uh, and again, I guess my problem with the Sandlin is I just, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know his development. He missed so much time last year, and I have no idea really what's happening at the alternative site. So that leaves me feeling a bit blind, which is more on me than them, but that's just where I kind of stand. Another long one for us. I hope everyone is doing well. Had a great holiday. Uh, we had a lot to dive into, and I let this one run long due to that. So, uh have a great week. Remember to listen up as we will talk about some upcoming series. We have some big ones coming up for this Cleveland Indians team uh, with Minnesota on the horizon. So tune in and listen. Uh, tomorrow I want to give some heads up and some thank yous again to people who are rating and reviewing. We had a few of those over the week, past week, so that was fantastic for the show. Rating and reviewing, you know, listening every day is great honestly if you just download every day that is great for the show uh if even if you're not going to listen downloading helps listening of course helps telling a friend reading and reviewing anything to help our little show continue to grow and prosper i've been jeff ellis this has been the lockdown indians podcast and as always go tribe